I just want to take just a minute. Uh, many of you, if you're from around here, you uh, may have heard some of the things going on this week in the news about our mayor as Houston uh, and some of the things that were going on. If you're not from around here, I'm going to take just a minute and address it um, because I think we should. Uh, this is what's going on in our world. And uh, I think if, if, if I heard what the Spirit was saying this morning, if you heard it, uh, if you were here in prayer before that, I think there's a real call and a charge that we have as a body of believers. Um, so what happened this week was there was a specific subpoena of five area pastors. Uh, there were five men in their churches that were named, and they were told that they were supposed to give all, there were actually about 12 or 13 things. I'm, tr- I'm trying to condense down the information here. But one of the things that they were required by the subpoena was to give all presentations, speeches, and sermons having to do with a recent bill. Um, the common vernacular for the bill is the bathroom bill, where if you're feeling female today, you can go ahead and go on into the female restroom. If you're feeling manly today, you can go in the male restroom. Um, and there's a lot of, there was a petition drive that got over 50,000 uh, signatures. They're only required to get about 17,000. The county clerk stopped counting at around 20,000, said this is more than enough. I approve of this. It should go on the uh, ballot for the people of Houston to be able to decide. Um, the city attorney stepped in and dismissed the entire petition, threw it out, just called it invalid. The, um, the county clerk said in, in the 40 years that this person had been doing the job, they had never had an, uh, an experience where they, the one charged to do this, was overridden by the city attorney. As a response to that, there was a suit that was filed. Uh, the suit actually had nothing to do with the five pastors, by the way. The five pastors weren't named in the suit. They didn't create the suit. But they had been very vocal in opposition to this bill. Uh, so the subpoena was for the five pastors to give every sermon and private communication between them and any member of their congregation that they had. Text messages, emails, document conversations. Um, direct direct violation of about, you know, a million things, First Amendment, all kind of stuff. So I am glad to say that as far as I understand, and I heard a few of them on Dr. Brown, uh, Dr. Michael Brown's radio show, I heard him interview uh, one of the pastors, and they said, we're just not going to give it to him. Um, we have a direct opposition going on in our city to our religious freedom. Uh, let me encourage you as believers, um, and this uh, will be played out as, as, as we go along in the sermon. Let's not be asleep, folks. Even at a church like this that's that's more aggressive than the average, maybe. We're always talking and we're always wanting to push forward and we're always doing and we're always putting our hands to things. You could still fall asleep in a church like ours. I don't mean just physically fall asleep. I mean, we could kind of get used to being able to talk about it and hearing the aggressive talk and feeling like we're being aggressive with it. But the truth is, is we have an instance in our city... Uh, the Attorney General of the state of Texas wrote a letter and said, you need to remove this. This is unconstitutional. You need to remove it now. The mayor of our city, along with the city attorney, said, no, we're going to revise it. So instead of asking for sermons, speeches, and presentations, which as a pastor, I'm not sure that there's much of a difference between any of those. It's semantics, right? So they took the word sermon out and left everything else in there. Wow. Wow, that was great. That was a really, really fantastic move there. And so the way it looks is is that our mayor here 
is going to continue with this. And we'll see where it goes in the courts. We'll see what the state attorney does. There's a lot of things that are still in motion. But uh, one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to address the topic. This is not actually the sermon yet. I just want us to know what's going on. I want us to be praying. I hope that every pastor in the city of Houston, I hope that every pastor in America addresses these kind of things. We're not of those who are going to back up, shrink back, and be destroyed. Uh, we, invite, we invite the mayor. Mayor, Madam Mayor, you're welcome to come to our service. We invite you to come. We invite any of your officials that you like. We will be here. All of our sermons as a church for the past 10 plus years, over 1,000 sermons, they're all online. You're welcome to check out anything that we've done. Because what we're going to do as a church is we're going to be very bold and say, hey, there's an agenda here. An agenda that is actually trying to silence the people of God. It's trying to silence us. Just look. Don't get too aggressive. Don't get too bold here. Just sit down and be quiet. Just be quiet. Uh, I heard someone say this week that the very same agenda that is causing people to come out of the closet is trying to put Christians in the closet. Just be quiet. Just don't do anything. Just, just, it's really okay. I mean, what are you going to do? I'm saying, and I want to encourage you, and I, I, I say this with all boldness, we need to stand up. Amen. You need to let... Amen. Take this as a personal call to action. Amen. And we'll talk through some, some ways that, we're, that I'm meaning this in a personal call to action. Don't sit back on the sidelines. Don't let a perverted sense of an agenda control what you do as a believer. There may be times coming, and I believe that they really are getting closer and closer, where a church like ours, as a pastor, I may get arrested for speaking out. What an honor. What an honor. To speak truth and be arrested. I I I hope that that doesn't happen, but we're going that direction, right? We can see these things. It doesn't make me afraid at all. What a great time to be able to stand up and count... <laughs> Got excited there. We're going to stand up. When the darkness is getting darker, when you have the light, my friend, light is never afraid of darkness. Light repels the darkness. Let's take a look in Romans chapter 1. This is just an introduction to the sermon here. Romans chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 18. Say there when you're there. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. Everybody say plain. It's obvious. It's plain. To them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Say without excuse. excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. 
It's a whole interesting discussion that we can have on that, but we won't. 24. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Amen. I love those little praise breaks in the middle of a... Of a just writing a, a written praise break. Right? Exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. <laughs> I love it. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust one for another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, He gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips. Now, some of these start sliding off. We're talking about a pretty serious topic, but once you start seeing this list, it's, whoa, gossips. It doesn't sound nearly as bad as where we started this list because we've known gossips, right? But here's the list. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. (laughs) They think up new ways. They disobey their parents. I think that one's funny in the list. (laughs) Like, wow, in the midst of all this, disobedience. Just saying, we can go on now. All right. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do, so, do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Um, as a church, we love homosexual people. We love them. We want to see the power of God deliver them from their sin. To love someone doesn't mean that we approve of everything that they do. We will stand in direct opposition, standing firm on the Word of God, that their lifestyle could not be more abhorrent. God hates it. But we're going to love people and watch God transform their lives. If you've got a homosexual friend, bring him to church. You know why? Because we're going to love them. And that we're, going to, we're going to watch them get transformed by the power of God. Um, our world tries to say that if you disagree, you're some type of, you have some type of phobia. I disagree with you, so I'm a you-a-phobe. If I disagree with homosexuality, I'm a homophobe. I guess if I disagree with a Tea Party politician, I guess I'm a Tea Party-a-phobe. I guess if I disagree that you're a Ford man and I'm a Chevy man, that I'm a Fordophobe. It, it doesn't make any sense. I don't like the type of shoes, so I'm a shoophobe. Well, that doesn't make any sense. But that's exactly the line that the world is trying to feed us. I know we're all in agreement here. For those of you that guess, this is uh, a little bit off of a topic that we normally do. I think it's important that we address what's really going on. 
we need to wake up. We need to start praying against the spiritual forces that are at work. Sometimes we forget that. We forget that there is a spiritual battle that orient. If you will, turn to... Um, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We are in a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We know that. We, our kids quote that. We quote that to our kids. But when we're living life, a lot of times we stay in this thought that it's a direct opposition against us, that it's a physical battle. If Brent doesn't like me, then I have an issue with Brent. Well, actually, I don't. There's a spiritual force at work. And I love Brent. Amen? This is just an example, right? We, there's a spiritual force at work. The more ridiculous that someone reacts to you, the more, the more violently someone reacts to you, if you're on a job place and someone wants to come up behind you and punch you physically, I don't know if you've ever had that happen. I have. There are some of you in here who would, if you weren't full of God, they would have loved to urge you into a fight. You've got to realize that there's a demonic force at work. There are spiritual forces at work. The more ridiculous and out of bounds of natural that someone reacts to you, I was just trying to be nice. They just blew off. Hey, there's probably a spiritual force at work. We need to wake up and start addressing the spirit of the issue, start praying that God break through, push back the darkness, and then when we deal with the person, we want the person to be saved. We are supposed to be about seeing people come into the kingdom. We are supposed to be about encountering people, engaging with them, talking to them, getting in their life, and watching the power of God work in them. Yes. Not only in the prisons. I thank God for our prison ministry. I'm so, so blessed. I can't wait. I'm going to come with you guys in the next couple of weeks. We're, I'm going to go with you because I'm so honored that. I love that we have a pro-life ministry. I love what we do here. I love the fact that we're reaching out. But it's not just the prison team that's supposed to be reaching out. If you are in this church, you're supposed to be reaching out. The people in your apartment complex, the people in your neighborhood, the people at your work, um, I met a lady, um, we have new, we're at an apartment complex and we have a new management team and we had a temp worker. I don't even know if she's coming back. I haven't seen her since I had this discussion with her. Very simple discussion, right? Met her the other day, came in on Wednesday before church and I said, hey, I don't need anything from you guys. I just want to see what I can do to serve you. And they're like, look at me like I had three heads or something. I was like, I just, can I help you? And they're like, we have never had anybody ask us that. I know. That's what I'm here for. And the lady at the front desk, she said, Hey, I know you're a person of faith. <laughs> really? <laughs> Why, yes. Yes, I am. And we start talking. And somehow it's just a very easy conversation. I've known her. I've, I had met her two, one other time before that. And just talked and just, Hey, just what can I do? And trying to be authentic and just live life in front of her. We hadn't talked about church. We hadn't talked about Jesus yet. This was the second time that I talked to the lady. And she said, you know, the other day, I had this weird thing happen. I wanted to ask my roommate um, to have a ride to work, but I didn't need a ride. I just kind of thought I should ask. And she said, I even asked and felt funny about it. And she said, I did that two days in a row. And this morning when I got up, my car wouldn't work. And I was like, Shut up! <laughs> I said, wait, wait. You mean the God of all creation was talking to you even about a small thing and you heard Him? Yes. 
her reaction was beautiful. It almost made her cry. She just, and just put her head down. And I went, huh, look how much God loves you. The God of all creation talked to you and you heard him. And she was just like, I didn't think about it like that. Our job is to engage the people around us. We don't have to, I didn't even mention Jesus to her until she brought it up to me. We are designed to be a powerful, effective force in the kingdom. Every one of us. Every single one of us in here. Whatever lies the enemy has tried to feed you for your whole life, whatever the lies that the enemy is trying to speak to you daily to go, you really, it's, you really don't have that much. Just sit down, be quiet, just go to work. Just, just take care of your little family. Just go sit in the closet. I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to be everything that God has called me to be. I'm not going to um, devalue what God has given me. I have no delusions of anything. I am a weak human being. I don't have much sense most of the time. But I know that God has put something in me that people need. And if they come across my path, I'm going to believe this is the, the leader of the universe put them in my path because I have something that they need. I may not even know what that is. That I presume that it's me they need. My secret formula. It's all out there now, right? I presume that if they come across me, that if I meet them in the store and we engage in any type of conversation, you're mine. Right? Because, because the God of all creation just ordained that. If I'm, put, if I'm pumping gas and I see somebody across the way, what's up? How you doing? You don't know it yet, but God in, intended for us to, to encounter. Sometimes they just walk away. Sometimes they ignore me. Eh. That's not my job. My job is when, the, when I find the waitress that we kind of start making jokes with and there's a good connection, you know what we're going to do? We're going to start talking about Jesus. You know why? Because that's why I'm here. Seriously. What else are we here for? Take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's start in verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's start in verse 7. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in the letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at it at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, it's not knocking it, it's saying it was glorious. How much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? 
For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Verse 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Because we have hope, we are to be bold. When I looked up the word bold there, you know one of the, some of the other words that is translated as? We are very open, we are very free, and we speak very plainly. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, friends, we should speak openly, we should speak freely, and we should speak very plainly to people. Sometimes we make this about like rocket science. Talk to people about Jesus. Well, I don't, I don't care what you don't. Open up your mouth. Speak plainly. Most of the things uh, that we do in our life is we engage people and we try to talk plainly to them. Hey, stop talking to your husband that way. That's usually my wife's role. <laughs> stop talking to your husband that way. Don't treat your kids that way. Stop doing that. Take, a, take control here. Be a man and lead your family. It, it's, that's what we spend most of our time talking to people about. Be godly. Quit sinning. We want to be as plain and as engaging as we can because you know what it does? There's a boldness. Um, we're not trying to be super advanced here. We're not trying to be so intricate with what we're saying that we lose track of where we are. It's very open. We're bold in what we say. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses. There's a lot of things that we can emulate in Moses. In this case, it's showing you an example. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. Came down from the mountain, tablets, covered his face. But their minds were made dull. Everybody say dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. There's a veil. We'll keep reading. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Do you know what part of your job as a believer is? Is to walk up to people and by the power of Christ you take off the veil that they've been looking through. They've been seeing everything in a, in a tinted manner. They've been seeing everything in a distorted manner. And your job is to walk up and because of Christ, remove the veil from them. You give them Christ and Christ removes the veil right off of their faces. Huh. They start seeing things differently. Sometimes it'll be because they see you differently. And I don't know what it is about Curtis, but that, that dude's different. He's a different kind of man. I, I've been around other men, and, but there's something different there. There's something that becomes savory. There's an aroma that we are to carry. To some, it's the fragrance of death. To others, it's the very fragrance of life. I love the fact that it's not really my job to figure out how they're going to smell me. <laughs> how they take the aroma. And I'm, I'm not giving us excuse to be hard-hearted towards people. I'm trying to help us as those who should be reaching out. I have to trust God that however they're taking this, that even if they refuse what I'm saying to them, even if they look at me straight away and absolutely refuse anything I'm saying about Jesus... I think that God used that and that was advancing the kingdom. At least there's clarity. Maybe they never rejected it that clearly. It's, the Word of God is going to bring forth, it's going to do what it's designed to do. 
There's going to be hot or cold. There's going to be in or out. This is, I think sometimes our job is just to push people one way or the other. I always want to push them towards Christ. That's my heart. That's my job. If they take it a different way, then I know they're still veiled. And I'm praying that God will remove the veil from them. Only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Praise God. Aren't you glad that you turned to the Lord at some point? Hopefully everyone in here has. If you haven't, then we're going to make an opportunity. You need to come and you need to have the veil removed from you. Period. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Isn't it interesting that it's talking about freedom? I thought we were talking about a veil. (laughs) I thought we were talking about people's hearts being veiled and being removed. And we like quoting this scripture as believers. Back in my day, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Good old Daryl Evans song. Back in the day, I know, it's all right, like 90s or something, it's crazy. There's freedom. It talks about freedom. When we have the veil removed from us, it reminds us that we're to be bold. We can speak openly, freely, plainly to people. Now, the spirit of the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory. Our job is to reflect Him. Are being transformed into His likeness. You don't have to be all the way there today. We are saved or being saved, you know are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The more that we reflect Him, the more that we just put down our excuses and our limitations. I hadn't really necessarily planned on going this way, but I want to address that for just a second. There are far too many of us sitting in this room. I'm not talking about Christendom as a general rule. I'm talking about here. I'm talking about you and me that limit ourselves. We've literally put ourselves in the closet because of how we were brought up, whatever limitations we are, our scars, our battle wounds, our failures, our mess-ups. And we have walked over and stood in the closet and closed the door. How are you going to reflect God's glory in there? I'm not fussing at you. I'm saying... Wake up. Quit thinking that your problems are so big that God can't use you. We are the very ones that God uses. He uses the weak. He uses the broken. He uses the, those that are not noble for very noble purposes. He uses us because what happens? If He uses us, <laughs> there's no way we can get glory. <laughs> Seriously. He did what? The Vincent family did What? That's crazy. There must be a powerful God at work in their lives. God's doing what with John and Joy? Do you know them? Have you, did, you, did you see John when he had like blonde spiky hair in college? Oh my gosh. That's the very thing that God is looking for. Then why don't we rather, we rejoice in our weaknesses? I take comfort in the fact that I don't know it all. That's not my job. It's His job. It puts us in a new realm of faith so that we're not limiting ourselves every single day. 
Keep reading. Chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Everybody say, do not lose heart. You know what heart, losing your heart looks like? It means you're still walking through your life, but there's no, there's no real life behind it. You're not living a life that's worthy of life. You're going through the motions. You're going through the drudgery of what just from event to event and thing to thing. How are you doing? Well, I'm making it. Don't lose heart. We serve a powerful God that wants to use you. Quit comparing yourself to other people and thinking that He doesn't want to use you because He's already using someone else. He wants to use you. What did we talk about last, uh, last Sunday and last Wednesday night? We don't need another cart to put the glory of God on. We need men. We need people who can carry the glory of God. You don't need a better cart. You need better men. You don't need a better ox. You need better men and women who can just carry out and live this thing and do what we're supposed to do. This is, you know... Super revelatory, right? Do what you're supposed to do. I'm just saying we need to have some life in us when we're doing it. This is not a drudgery. This is the greatest honor of all time. If God never does anything else for us, if He doesn't bless you one more time the rest of your life, He's still worthy to be served. If He never gives you a blessing of any type, serve Him. Go wholehearted for Him. We're on this earth for just a few seconds anyway. We're going to lay up for ourselves a treasure in heaven that does not rust, that, does, that moss cannot get to, <laughs> that the stock market cannot bury, that our government cannot infringe upon. It's, you can't steal it. You can't take it from me. We're going to go and do exactly what God is saying. Do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We're back to being bold, aren't we? We're being open. We're being frank. We're being free. We're being plain. There's no room for that. I'm going to use a a very carnal example for just a second, just because I think it's funny. So there was a skit one time. Skit, you know, little short comedic vignette, right? So there's this skit, and and it's this. It's supposed to be this voiceover. It's done, and um, this person walks up to somebody and says, "Hi, how you're doing?" And then you hear what's supposed to be his voice, like what's going on inside wow, this person's kind of crazy. And then it catches over here and it's like, hey man, love that shirt. And you hear the voiceover is like, that's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and then this one, the, the, the joke part of it is, is, is it's this athlete that walks in. Like, hey man. And you hear the voiceover and says, hey man. <laughs> and he goes over, he's like, man, I like your shirt. Man, I like your shirt. Like, it was exactly what he was thinking is exactly what he said. They were trying to pick on the dumb athlete, right? I've remembered that for 20 years because I went, that's what I want to be. Not necessarily the dumb athlete part, but... (laughs) Let me me explain that to you, right? I want to be someone whose internal dialogue is exactly in an appropriate way. (laughs) There's no ulterior motives going on in here. You know how freeing that is? I don't have to remember what I said to you because I tell the truth. I don't have to remember how I lied to you because I'm just not smart enough to remember all that. So I've just decided I'm just going to tell the truth all the time. I don't have to remember. Did I say that? Wow. 
That was good, because I didn't remember it all. You know? Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. Ain't nobody got time for that. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the Word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. For those of you in here who are called into ministry work, and by the way, ministry work, um, for those of us who did a lot of other things before, we, uh, before I became a pastor, before I got a paycheck from a church, I've <laughs> been a pastor for a long time. I'm designed to be a pastor. I don't say that with anything other than the utmost, the utmost humility because that is a heavy burden. Christy and I, we went to Romania and we, we start falling in love with people immediately. Man, I really like them. Oh, I'm so glad Radu is coming on the Peru trip. I wish I was going now just to hang out with Radu again. That's what we do. If you are waiting for a job to tell you what you've been created to do, You've got it backwards. If you're a pastor, be a pastor. So what if you get paid, in my case, by a school system? So what if you get paid by somebody else? Really? That doesn't make you a... You're now no longer a pastor because you get a paycheck from... Fill in the blank. Be who you are. Be strong in who you are. Enjoy who you are. Do what you've been called to do. I don't need anybody's permission to be who I am. I don't need a boss to tell me something so that I can be what I've been created to be. (laughs) I'm going to be what I'm created to be. I'm going to get in God's presence and it's going to make me who I need to be and I'm just going to live that way. A silly example that I used to use with kids when I did kids ministry. Think about some cookie dough, right? If you're like me, it doesn't always actually make it in the oven. Sometimes it gets consumed before then. I'm just saying. But the cookie dough hasn't sh- doesn't have to strive to be a cookie. It doesn't sit there and go, Ooh! The cookie dough just gets put in the oven. It's put in the right environment. And the environment, cr- it causes it to be what it's designed to be. So simple, right? I had to boil it down for the kids. Right? I, I needed a five-year-old to understand that what they're created to be If it's in the right environment, I can put the cookie dough right beside the oven. I can put it in the refrigerator. Different circumstances. But when I put it in the right environment, it becomes. It just is. You get in the right environment and guess what happens to you? You become. You are a human being. You're not a human doing Always trying to do the things that we will do because we are. Does that make sense? You guys are in the right environment here in this church. Sometimes it's a little hotter than you want it. Sometimes you feel like you're bumping up against somebody that you don't necessarily want to bump up against. Be in the environment. Let the power of God transform you and make you what you're supposed to be. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, we're still talking, right? We've added chapters and verses to help us find, but can you tell that this is one thought that keeps just going on? One seamless thought. So we remember what we just talked about, the unveiling. 
It is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of God. Who is uh, the glory of Christ? I'm sorry. Who is the image of God? For we do not preach ourselves. We're not trying to promote ourselves here. That's a worldly system that does that. We're trying to rather instead we promote Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants. For Jesus sake. Verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. (laughs) He's given us the light that we are supposed to shine forth. He's put it within us. He's put it within us. We We just be who we're supposed to be and it impacts people around us. You don't have to worry about the numbers. If God causes you to have a huge harvest, fantastic. How huge is it for the one person that you get to witness to? If it changes their life, is that worth it? We say it is, and yet we get discouraged when it's only one. How many people did you have there? Well, in in the environment that I came from, we were always rounding up. Right? Can't say we had 42 people. Had about 50 people there. What's wrong with 42? I like 42. I liked every person there. Then you start double rounding up, right? <laughs> well, I mean, it's almost 50. That's like almost 100. We had almost 100 there. <laughs> Why do people do that, in ter- especially in church world? Because you don't feel like you're doing it unless you say 100 or whatever the threshold is in your mind. If it's one, be obedient. Be who you are. Be what you're supposed to be and be completely comfortable with that. Verse 7, But we have this treasure in jars of clay. (laughs) The most valuable treasure in all of the world, the glory of God, is housed in jars of clay. (laughs) Really? It's not in a vault with lasers and, you know, barbed wire and The glory of God is housed in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Is this bringing encouragement to you? If you don't read that verse and go, huh, I don't have to be a gold vase. I don't have to be made of pearl or titanium if you're a guy, like some strong metal. We're just supposed to be jars of clay. You know why? Because we're fragile. You know why? Because we'll break. We'll crack sometimes under the pressure, under the heat. But this is what we're designed for. So that we know that this, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side. Can you say amen? Amen. But not crushed. Hard-pressed. Things are coming against you. And you realize... I'm still standing. It's uncomfortable. I'm a little claustrophobic. I can't handle all this. And yet you're not crushed. You're perplexed. I don't understand what's going on. But not in despair. You're just not in despair. If you've allowed yourself to walk towards despair, I'm just going to lovingly say, stop. Because of what the Word says. Just do what it says. 
We are persecuted, but we're not abandoned. Amen? You're not left to do this by yourself. Even if every other human being deserts you, you're still not by yourself. Because the Word says you're not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. (laughs) I may fall down, but I'm getting back up. I might have been punched and knocked down. I'm getting back up. I'm not stopping. I'm not backing down. I'm not backing up. I'm not slowing down. My Jesus movement has no reverse. I've abandoned all reverse. I took it out. Hopefully, I may uh, advance in a new direction sometimes. But I'm not backing up. I'm just not. It's just not worth it. This treasure that I carry is too great. Was it Nehemiah? He's sitting there building the wall, rebuilding the wall. Ends up finishing it in 52 days, but in the process of it, until it's done, people are coming and taunting him. Well, first they try to distract him. Hey, come over here! Come over here! Do you know that the work that I'm doing is too great? I don't have time for that. So when they couldn't distract him, they just tried to discourage him. Man, if a little kitty cat walks across that wall, it's going to fall down. Didn't say kitty cat, but... Right? This is a great work that you have. Your hands have been given a fantastic work. God is with you. Yes, we're in jars of clay. Let's not treat that what we have on the inside is something to be discarded. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Kind of an interesting way to say that, huh? Just like Joseph's bones. Hey, don't forget, when you leave, you take these bones. We're always carrying around. Why are you walking around with bones? So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Because this isn't the way these bones are going to stay. There's resurrection power that we've got. You don't see it all in me yet. You don't see me all transformed yet, but you will. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that His life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is also at work in you. Amen. 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 Ah, You may be sick. I'm not saying that you're not. There's death at work in us. But there's also life at work in you. There's also resurrection power in you. This is what we've been created to do, folks. Um, Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. If I can go the right way, that'd be good. Ephesians chapter 5. I hope this is making sense to you today. Let's start in verse 8. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. For you were once darkness. It's an interesting way to say that. You were once darkness. A couple of different translations say it pretty much the same way. Not in darkness. You, yourself, actually, darkness. But now you are light. You're not just in something. You have become something new. I once was darkness and now I am light in the Lord. 
I have a power that did not start with me. It will not end with me. It is not based on me. You realize that when God said, that, what was the very first thing that God started with creation? Light. Before there was a sun, before there were moon, before there were stars, there was light. What does Revelation 22 say? How is this thing going to end up? Do we need a sun anymore at the end of this? No, because we have light. We have the one. We have the one who is now living inside of us that we are a part of. We are in the body of Christ. We are light. Be light. Don't cover up the light. Matthew chapter 5. Who lights a light and then covers it up? Well, we know that, Pastor Wade. I I don't think we do. Because you know how most of us live? We have a light and we cover it. Well, brother, I, I witness all the time and if necessary, I use words. Thank you for living a good life. Would you talk to people? Would you uncork the mouth and say something? I would much rather have God use me even if I do it wrong. I just trust Him that He's big. I don't try to do things wrong. I try to do them with integrity. You all know what I'm saying? I'm not going to let me worried about being wrong stop me from doing it though. Be wrong. Still light. <laughs> God will correct you. If you didn't have a right heart, He loves you. But He also loves the people that you're trying to reach. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. Live. Everything you do, everywhere you go, be a child of the light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 10, and find out what pleases the Lord. (laughs) You've got to find it out sometime. Lord, I'm not sure if you want me to go this direction or this direction. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to move here or take this job. Well, guess what? Find out. Live as a child of the light. Don't become paralyzed. Don't put yourself in the corner. Find it out. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. The reason I started off this sermon by talking about what's going on in our city is I'm exposing something that is demonic. It is demonic. Well, technically it's a subpoena. Well, technically it's demonic. What do you want me to say? Even people who are in that lifestyle are going, Yikes. Uh, I think you might have overstepped your bounds there, Mayor. And yet there's boldness to continue. I'm not going to let anyone who's living in sin and advocating it be more bold than me. I'm not going to let them keep pushing forward and me go, well, okay, I guess I'll give you the right away. No! If you know me, you know that I am not an aggressive person. Kind of chill, kind of relaxed most of the time. That's not how I live my Christian walk. That's my personality. Don't get confused. Because I like to be a nice guy doesn't mean that I'm going to back down from anything that God has told me to do. If it costs me my life, I freely give it. I gladly give it. If I get the choice and if I get the honor to be persecuted for the Lord, thank you, Jesus. I don't care what your personality is like. You better have something on the inside of you. You better have some teeth to you. You better have some grit in there as far as being determined 
and full of the Spirit of God to do exactly what He said, no matter the cost. If I look like a fool, kidding me? Seriously? I'm going to not do the will of God because somebody might laugh at me? Really? I've long since passed that. People laugh at me all the time for all the wrong reasons, you know? Let's be what we're called to be. Let's awaken ourselves and do what we're called to do. We need to see people brought into this church from your work. We need to see people brought into this church from where you live. From you stopping randomly at H-E-B and getting gas. What's that? And a person. (laughs) We need to see people. Why? I expect that to happen. I love my church. I love the fact that I can come and expect God to speak to us through prophecy. I love that. I love it. With all my heart. But it's not just for here. This is the huddle. Let's huddle up. Let's encourage each other. You guys doing good? Alright? Got a wound? Okay. Alright, ready? Break! Go! Then the real work begins. We'll come in here. We'll huddle. We'll fight back the forces of darkness. And then we go out and we make an impact. People should be getting saved around us. I'm not the one that causes it to happen, but I sure am going to try to try to see if I can uh, stir up something with somebody. People should be getting filled with the Spirit around you. Well, you can bring them to church. and Yeah, bring them to church. You stop and pray for them. We, we worked at, I worked at, the, at a private Baptist school in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Private Baptist school. There was a whole group of kids that got spirit-filled. Whole group of them. They'd come to me and they'd say, Mr. Sullivan, do you know about the Holy Spirit? Here's what these beautiful kids would say. We know about God the Father. We hear about Him. We hear all about Jesus. And we love Jesus. We just don't ever hear about the Holy Spirit. So my response usually, and this was a, this was a cycle that happened over and over again. Say, we can go to the coffee shop. You have to have your parents' permission. If it was a, a, a girl, then she'd have to bring a group of people. Your parents have to know about it. They have to call me and tell me that you have permission. And I'm telling you, I'm going to only tell you the word, but it may be different than what your, it's going to be different than what your church teaches. You have to know these things ahead of time. Don't get sidetracked here. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's good. You get a call from me. Hey, we're going to be talking about this. We're going to be reading the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. Sure thing, Mr. Sutherland. Great. So we'd get there. We'd talk. And here's what we would do. Here's my great prayer for kids to get filled with the Spirit. I go, hey, when you get home tonight, go pick your favorite worship CD. Back when they had CDs. Right? <laughs> Not just MP3 players. Go pick your favorite worship CD. Turn it on. Close your door. Worship Jesus. When He comes and shows up, ask Him to fill you. Really? Mm-hmm. Inevitably, within days. Mr. Sutherland! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Seriously, I just have kids go. And just start speaking and talking to me. <laughs> like, yeah, man! 
So what are you saying? I'm saying I didn't lay hands on them or pray for them. And they got filled with the Spirit because they're hungry. This is, not, this is not rocket science. If you've never prayed and God's allowed you to pray with someone about getting saved, pray that He give you the opportunity. <laughs> if you've never prayed with somebody to get filled with the Spirit, if you've been around it and you actually haven't done it, just pray and do it. Be the light. Well, what if it doesn't happen? Don't worry about it. Seriously. Seriously. It's okay. Pray again. I don't know what you want me to say. Don't not do what God's telling you to do. Because you're afraid that it won't work. Some of you need to start prophesying. What if it's not right? Well, you should think that. <laughs> there should be a seriousness about what you're doing. But you're never going to learn. Pray for God to give you a word for somebody. Be reading your Bible this week. Lord, give me a word for such and such. Give me a scripture. Give me something to encourage them. Lord, help me to encourage your people. You don't think the God of all creation wants to do that? You don't think He wants to use you to do that? But I digress. 1 13, and then we'll wrap it up. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is the light that makes everything visible. It's the light that makes everything visible. The path, the answers you need, the motion that you need to have, it's found in the light. But you are children of the light, so you have the light. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. This is not at all the way in the direction I thought I'd go today, but let me end with this. Wake up, O sleeper. If you've been asleep, it's time to wake up. I'm not coming to you with a harsh word. I'm saying wake up. Rise from the dead. If your works in your hand of doing what God is calling you to do has been a little uh, skin and bones, been a little dead, wake up, rise from the dead, and what happens? And Christ will shine upon you. The glory that we're supposed to be reflecting, He will make sure that you have the source of light so that you can reflect Him. Wake up. I say that to myself. Let's all wake up. Another way it's said in the New Testament is stir up the gifts that are within you. You have what you need. We had some friends in from Austin this weekend. And last night we had a nice long conversation with them. He's an Austin fireman, so he had to go. They were wanting to stay. He's actually already at the firehouse in Austin. And our conversation with them, my com- our, uh, our conversation with them ended basically like this. Sir, you have everything you need to lead your family. Your wife's fears are going to be taken care of when you lead strong. Just lead strong. Even if you mess up. Be humble. Lead strong. And we looked at her and said, follow strong. You have what you need for your husband and for your kids. You think I have what you need? No, you have it. God's already given it to you. 
you have what you need to do what God has called you to do. All you need is wake, all you need to do is wake up. All you need to do is step forward. Don't let the fear, you know what happens when you when you give in to fear, right? When you start making decisions out of fear, it causes your fears to come true. And then you think your fears are correct, so you stay afraid. It's a self-feeding cycle. Over and over and over and over again. I'm just going to wake up. I might be scared as all get out. I might be intimidated by somebody like crazy. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do exactly what God tells me to do. I'm going to go be light. Might be trembling. Knees might be knocking. I'm going to trust Him anyway. Amen. If you guys will stand, let's pray together.